Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. So we are into Proverbs. I got 25, 27 minutes, something like that. Uh, Well, I can do it. I believe. I believe. I believe I can fly. Sorry. Um, I won't break into that. I'll wait for the business meeting. And uh, so... Uh, so glad you're here. So I'm so glad to be done with the last series and moving into this one because the last one was a lot of work and a lot of heavy-handed stuff. And this one, it's, it's all just fluff, means nothing. So I'm, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I enjoy talking about Proverbs uh, because it's just so good, it's so rich, uh, and it's often really uplifting. Um, but what's, what's not, if you don't know, back when I was in Bible college, uh, I've shared the story before, but if you haven't heard it, here we go. Um, that we had a professor who said, you know, you can look up your birthday in the Bible, and uh, you can really be blessed by the date and the month, and, and maybe uh, find a verse that really applies to your life and encourage you. So, you know, people were looking, my wife's would be at 1020, so uh, uh, October 20th, she would look up chapter 10, verse 20, of just whatever book in the Bible. Right? And, and all the students start doing it. And there's some funny ones like so-and-so begets so-and-so and, and things like that. You know, or things that made, didn't make any sense. I opened up my Bible to Genesis chapter 6, June 6th, verse 6. <laughs> and the Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth. <laughs> and his heart was filled with pain. <laughs> That was as bad as it could possibly get. Like, uh, there is no going up from here. Like, I am screwed. <laughs> this is terrible news. But, but after a few minutes of, I don't know, crying over laughter or shame or fear, I don't know which, I was like, I should go to Proverbs because Proverbs has a good word for everybody. Proverbs 6.6. 6. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. <laughs> At that point, I gave up, uh, and hopefully I'm good. I, don't, I think I'm okay because my birthday goes like 6, 6, 7, so I just missed the mark of the beast. Um, so I'm okay. Uh, but we, it's funny, you know, we do just miss it a lot of times, right? How many times do we think we're getting it right, and then we get it wrong? Uh, we're trying to serve the Lord, and then we just keep falling. Matter of fact, this was a great picture of this. If you guys have never seen this video, go ahead and take a look. Right back in it. That's it. That's the whole thing. He goes right back in. Right? How many of us, that is our story with the shepherd. We are living right and then right back in it. (laughs) Right? We think, I've got it. Nope, I don't got it. Right? Just over and over. And Proverbs is a great book to kind of teach us how to live. It's wisdom mostly written from King Solomon. 
Now, King Solomon was King David's son. And Solomon is considered the wisest man to have ever lived. He's the uh, most powerful and wealthiest king that Israel ever had. Um, the first temple was built under Solomon. Uh, there's, there's been, there was one temple later. Uh, king, king Herod built that. Now there's supposedly a third temple that they're talking about. And there's a whole, whole red heifer thing. It's a conversation we can't get into today. But it's pretty cool. Anyway, but, the, but Solomon is, was incredibly wise. And he wrote a, a, a book of wisdoms. Um, the world leaders came to see him and would, would draw wisdom from him. They were blown away by his kingdom. They were just astounded. Like, this, this guy's amazing. Um, a matter of fact, the word wisdom here, it's, it's a Hebrew word called kokma. Uh, not kokomo, but kokma. <laughs> All right. Um, and, and what it means, it, it means wise, but also another way of saying it would be applied knowledge, right? There are some people who can teach, but they don't necessarily live out their teaching, right? There are some people who are knowledgeable, but not wise. Anybody know someone like that? Don't point, though, um, right? We, we all do. Some of us, all of us at some point know truths about something, but don't always live it out. And wisdom is the ability to know it and live it well. That's what wisdom is. And Solomon did this a lot. He was extremely wise. But the thing is, sometimes Solomon, sometimes Solomon had wisdom, but he wasn't always wise. Um, he ended up with 700 wives and 300 concubines. On a completely unrelated note, the kingdom fell. <laughs> um, right? It didn't work out uh, because that, that doesn't work. I have one wife, and I'm like, I struggle with keeping her happy, you know? And that's it's not her fault. A lot of it's my fault. Um, can you imagine? Right? But this is at a time where women were far more like property uh, than, they were, than they were like people. Um, and But this is Solomon's kingdom, and he... And it really fell apart because one of the problems with all those women, he took on a lot of their gods. And a lot of their gods weren't the god of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And, and it began to chip away. Now it didn't ultimately in his lifetime destroy the kingdom, but eventually it did. His kids and then his kids' kids. And, then, and, then on, and eventually uh, they fall apart and they end up in exile. Right? But if Solomon had lived out all the things he knew, uh, well, the, the kingdom of Israel might have kept standing. Now, part of that was inheriting sins from his own father, and that's a different conversation for another day. But the wisdom that God gave Solomon was divine. It was from him. There was a moment where Solomon, God showed up to Solomon, and he says, what do you want, Solomon? And Solomon says, I want wisdom. You know what I think? And this is total conjecture, okay? But I think Solomon was given the throne. And this is a different day, right? That he wasn't voted in. You were born into it. And I think he was given that throne. He was given that major position to run a nation. And his dad was a legend. His dad took down Goliath. His dad won war after war. 
His dad endured the King Saul hunting him and surviving him. His dad raised up an army. He basically took ex-cons and turned them into warriors who stood beside him. His dad's a legend. He's over a country. And he's kind of the result of an adulterous affair. And I think God showed up to him. And when he did, Solomon was like, make me wise because I don't think I can do this. I'm not smart enough for this. This is huge. This is mad. Make me wise. And God was so pleased by his response. He said, you know what, Solomon? I'm going to give you the wisdom you asked for. But because you asked me for wisdom, I'm going to give you so much more. I'm going to bless your life. I'm going to bless you financially. I'm going to bless... Because, at least at that time, Solomon's heart was right. I've said it before, great story from another church that was really successful over the years. You guys know John, John Lindell and James River. But in the early years, they were interviewing him when it was just taken off. And they, they asked, like, how long does this keep going? How do you sustain it? And his answer was so great. He's like, as long as we keep our hearts right. Right? God keeps moving in our lives and shows up when we keep our hearts right. And if you go to Proverbs 1, he starts the whole book with that. And this is how you keep your hearts right. If you want to know, if you want to sum up the whole book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7. It's right here. The fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and true discipline. The entirety of Proverbs is right here. Now, what's cool about Proverbs is there's 31 chapters. So if you read one every day, you'll finish it almost 12 times in a year, give or take those off months, right? <laughs> you'll, you'll finish it. You'll get it in your system. It'll be in your head. And these are wisdom sayings. These are true knowledge. Now, some of them are direct. And what's cool about the Bible is... Some of it, it, it's a lot of different types of literature. It's one book, okay? It's 66 books making up one book, all right? But it's different types of books. Some are historical. Some are poetry. Some are wisdom sayings, okay? Uh, some are prophecy. There's major prophets. There's minor prophets. The Bible is an intense book. And you can spend your life studying it, and you'll never fully wrap yourself around it. The Bible is amazing. It's an, a, truly an unbelievable book. That was the coolest thing about going to Bible college. I learned so much more about the Bible. I love the gifts of the Spirit. They're, they're amazing. And I want them in operation in my life. But anybody who trades, you never have to trade. You can operate in the gifts of the Spirit and still study the Word. And you can still study the Word and operate in the gifts of the Spirit. It's not one or the other. The blessing is it's both. Right? And I loved studying the Scriptures. But, or, or some would say, I love this when the Scriptures study me. And this is a book of wisdom sayings, very poetic. But you should know, some people are like, it's a book of promises. No, it's not. That doesn't mean that God doesn't live up to his word. But these aren't absolutes in all the things. But it's absolutely true. When somebody says to you, do you believe the Bible literally? You can always respond with, well, 
sure, where it's literal. The Bible's not always literal in every part of it. It's all spiritually true, but literal means like, you know, if I literally destroyed this chair, I would need a hammer and maybe a saw. That would be literally, but if I throw it on the ground and you say I literally destroyed it, but it's still okay, I didn't literally destroy it. So the Bible is literally true where it is. Historically, yes, it's true. Okay? It is literally true historically. We believe that 100%. We believe God's word 100%, but it applies in different places in different ways. So the book of Proverbs is true, but don't claim it all as direct promises that if then. Because God isn't a slot machine where if you put in a quarter, you get back. That's not how God works, all right? But there are absolute truths in this book, and this is the first major truth. This is the theme of the whole book. Fear the Lord. Which is a very unpopular topic right now. (laughs) And it's been an unpopular topic in church for about 20 years or so. I grew up in church. Chase, you'll remember, right? They talked about the fear of the Lord when we grew up in church. And somewhere from like college on... It's like it stopped. It's th- this massive shift happened. Does anybody remember growing up in church hearing about the fear of the Lord? Anybody? Raise your hand. Okay. All, most of these people are past 30. <laughs> Even my son is like, well, kind of. And he's here. He grew up here. Right? So that's on me. Right? Okay. So it, it's not very popular. One, because it's misunderstood. Um, but two, because it's a little bit uncomfortable. It's, it's a tough thing to hear. Matter of fact, we deem all fear as bad. We have a lot of songs in the church about it, and they're good songs. I am not putting the songs down. I'm not saying we should stop singing them, because we don't need to stop singing them. I love, like, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I like that. We shouldn't be a slave to fear, right? But there, are, there is some good fear, okay? I need a volunteer for just a minute. <laughs> Cole, come on, man. Give it up for Cole. All right. Now, this is a flame, Cole, right? Mm Mm-hmm. You ever stick your finger just right into a flame? No. No? Do you want to do that right now? I'm not asking you to. I asked you a question. He's so sweet. He's got such a good spirit about it. Like, well, if my pastor asked me to, I guess I'll. No, we're not that kind of church, Cole. (laughs) All right. You could say, do you want to? I mean... You can say no. It's okay. Probably not. No, right. Okay, that's a good answer. Very good. You can sit down. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Right? If, or if I lit something on fire and said, just stick your hand right in there, right? First, you'd be like, I think I want to hear what's going to happen at this business meeting. Um, but then secondly, you're going to be like, I think I need a new church, right? Um, because... We have a healthy fear of fire. Fire is amazing in the right places. But there are certain things we don't do with it because we know it will harm us. It's not good. It's dangerous. And it's not what's wrong with the fire. It's what's wrong with us. Okay? Fire in the fireplace, great thing. Fire in my living room with no fireplace, not a great thing. 
right? Bad fire. Wrong placement, okay? And it's not because something is inherently wrong with fire. It's me putting it in the wrong place and mistreating it. So the fear of God here has, has a couple meanings. And, and a couple of meanings is, one, fear of shrinking back. Well, let's put it on the screen. What is the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is a healthy, holy reverence, combining respect, fear of offending, awe and wonder in relationship to God. Just leave that up for a minute. If you want to take a screenshot of it, you can. Okay? The fear of the Lord is a healthy, holy reverence, combining respect and fear of offending with awe and wonder in relationship to God. So it's all of those things in one. So part of it is a healthy fear. When I was a kid, right, if I heard the words, you just wait until your father gets home, that was a bad day. (laughs) That was a bad, bad day. There was one good one by accident. I was nine, eight, nine years old. You remember this, Dad? And uh, my friends and I were sitting in the yard, and, and the next door neighbor, they were a bunch of hippies and deadheads, if all dead around the country, and, and they're blasting it out their window. I told you guys this story the other night. And, uh, and they're blasting out the window. I was eight, nine years old, and I was all sitting with my friends in the backyard. We're like, you turn it down. We don't want to hear that. Turn it. And finally, my friends were getting all amped up, and I'm like, we're calling the cops. So I marched inside. <laughs> I grabbed the phone. 911. Here we go. My friends are like, Who are you calling? I was like, 911, calling the police. They took off instantly. They were instantly gone, right? My mom comes down the stairs. Who are you talking to? 911. Anyway, and I, my mom what? grabs the phone out of my hands. What? I'm so sorry. Slams the phone down. Uh, and then I heard the words, You just say it with me, you just wait until your father gets home. Every time I heard that in my life up to that point, it was the longest day ever (laughs) and ended in pain. I came from a different generation where we weren't put in time out. Um, And uh, if you can't figure that out, we'll talk after. So um, that day, my dad gets home. I'm dreading it. My mom calls me down. She's like, you tell your dad what you did. Neighbor had the music too loud, so I called 911 for noise pollution. <laughs> and my dad, for the first time in his life, sat, this never happened to me, sat at the table and then busts out laughing. <laughs> Dying laughing. Do you remember this? <laughs> it's the only time my dad laughed at anything. <laughs> my, mom, um, my dad can't hold it in, and my mom, uh, my mom is. Even more mad now. Like, how dare you? You know, uh, it was the best day ever for me. I will never forget that day. I got off kind of easy. Now, that being said, I never called 911 for an unnecessary reason again. Right? Uh, but part of it is I feared it because I have a healthy respect and fear of my dad as a, as a boy. You know, my dad loved me, but he could cause me pain. But then eventually as you get older, you realize he's not causing, I'm causing me pain by disobedience. It's causing myself hurt. If I don't do these things, that doesn't happen. Oh, healthy, reverent fear. I don't want to cross him. Now, fortunately, I was a kid who didn't get in a lot of trouble. Is that fair to say? 
right? Okay. My brother, he got in a lot of trouble, right? My brother, if there was a button, he would find it and push it until it broke. <laughs> you know, that was my brother with my parents. I was the opposite. I would be like, he got in a lot of trouble. So do not do that thing, right? But um, thanks, thanks, Jamie, wherever you are. I appreciate you helping me out that way. Um, <laughs> A lot of us don't want to live that way with God that we think, well, no, God's not looking to punish me. You're right. He's not looking to, but sometimes he has to. God isn't looking to discipline me. You're right. He's not looking. But Proverbs and numerous other books say the Lord disciplines those he loves. It's it's, It's a good thing. If the Lord has left you to your own devices, you're in far worse shape. It's not a bad, that's a bad place to be. That's a frightening place to be. If you're like, I'm not getting in trouble for any of my sin. Then you might be on a train headed in the very wrong direction. Do you see what I mean? When the Lord is catching you, exposing you, calling you out, and calling you up, that's called being in his good graces. When he's left you to your own devices, as Romans 1 talks about, it means you're under his wrath and you're headed in the wrong direction. See, like an atheist would say, why would a loving God send somebody to hell? The response is, he doesn't. We volunteer. Because he's also a perfect judge. And he has to respond to our sin. He has to respond to our rebellion and our rejection. It can only go on so long, right? What we, we live in a time now where we want God to bless it, but we don't God, want God's best for it. And God's best is sometimes a little more difficult, sometimes more painful, longer. But it's better, right? If you go in the military and then you eventually go into special forces, you're in training far longer than just people in the infantry. Why? Because you've got to be better. When you're in God's kingdom, he's going to move and do things in your life, and it's going to take a little longer. It's going to be a little harder, but it's good because he's doing things in you and he's shaping you. And I would tell you that something the church has lost everywhere is the fear of the Lord. Healthy, holy reverence that God is God. Now, we're not legalistic about it. How do I know? Well, first, we're in a gym. <laughs> All right? These chairs don't match. All right? There's a lot of reasons. I'm not in a robe. I don't look good in robes. Okay? Ask my wife. It's unpleasant. Right? Looks like a melted marshmallow walking around. <laughs> we fear him in a healthy, holy way, but not legalistically, but with honor and reverence. Because why? Well, here's some, some people say, well, I'm not under the law. I'm in the New Testament. I don't have to do those things anymore. All right, put this up here, guys. We don't live by the law, thankfully, but we are in relationship with the lawgiver and the lawmaker. He is the law, right? Remember that Judge Dredd movie? I am the law. Tony's missing it today. Um... <laughs> God, the law is based on who he is, right? And if we break, 
We break those laws. We break covenant with him because he can't be in relationship with imperfection. Which is why we need his son who lived a perfect blameless life to be covered in his blood, to, uh, spiritually speaking, so that we can be back in relationship with God. But we can still affect and distance the relationship. So I'm not talking necessarily about salvation. But it might be. But I'm definitely talking about closeness of relationship. I don't want to offend God. See, there was another way when my dad would come home. There were times I couldn't wait for my dad to get home to just run up and give him a hug as a kid. Like, my dad's home. But those were the good days when I was in good relationship and I wasn't in trouble. My dad didn't love me any different any of those days. But I was loving him different. Do you see the difference? My love wasn't quite right. I want to fear the Lord. The next time you want to question, is God okay with it? Uh, uh, Can I get away with it? Maybe stop asking yourself, can I, is he okay with it? And ask yourself, who is he? Not what is he okay with, but who is he? And is who he is okay with what I'm about to do? I think that's a healthy fear of the Lord. I, I, love, I love my king. I love my savior. And I love my best friend. And I don't want to hurt his heart. I don't want to grieve him. I don't want him to be distant. Some of us know what that is to grieve the Holy Spirit when boom, whew, he's left the room. You know, not in his omni- omnipresence, but in his nearness. I don't like that. We've all done it. Some of us may be more aware than others, but we've all done it. And it's usually in a moment where you're like, you know what, Lord, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Stay close. Right? That's the fear of the Lord. And, and then, and then the, the second part of the chapter, and this is where we, we, we're about to wrap it up, okay? For they hated knowledge, and they chose not to fear the Lord. They rejected my advice and paid no attention when I corrected them. Therefore, they must eat the bitter fruit of living their own way, choking on their own schemes. Simpletons turn away from me to death. Fools are destroyed by their own complacency. But all who listen to me live in peace, untroubled by fear of harm. They chose not to fear the Lord. They rejected advice. They ate bitter fruit. Long story short, when we, aren't, when we don't take correction from God and the people he puts in our lives, it's not instant, but it's consistent and gradual. The hardening of our hearts and the distancing of relationship until we don't hear him anymore, until we're not close anymore, and, and, and stuff starts coming in our lives that we're like, I don't like this. What's happening? What's happening? What's happening? And it gets worse and worse and worse. And that happens from consistent rejection of God's correction. It's just that simple. He, he's merciful. He's good. But if we don't listen enough, when we think, well, no, that's, that's Old Testament, Pastor Brian. Well, reaping and sowing is actually New Testament. 
Ananias and Sapphira dropped dead in God's temple in the New Testament. And this just happened in the last couple of weeks over a leader in Turkey who cursed Israel. Take a look at this. Curses Israel, God's people. He drops dead of a heart attack instantly. Made national news, international news. Now, fortunately, we are in an age of grace. Most of us can realize, I'm probably not going to drop dead of a heart attack from breaking God's law all the time. Take a deep breath, okay? It's all right. God, I think God does that when he knows a heart is fully hard and it's over. Like, they're not coming back. And only God knows when that is. None of us know. All right? But, right, even right then and there, God knew. He will receive no more correction from me. He will not listen. His heart is so hard, there is no more redemption. And it's over. And we are not living in a time that we are very open to correction. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. We're living in a time where we kind of hate it and we're very reactive to it. Matter of fact, it wasn't that long ago, I was sitting, Ange and I were sitting with a counselor and even the counselor was like, you're very defensive. And I've realized that's a weakness sometimes in my life. I can be defensive. At times I don't need to be. Right? But I think most of us are that way these days, somehow especially in the age of media and social media, we're always quick to defend ourselves. I'm not wrong. It's them who are wrong. How many people do you know? Can you, like, give me a list of names? They're like, they're really humble. And man, they just take correction so well. <laughs> we don't, does anybody have, like, I have a really long list of people I know like that right now. Anyone? Because if you do, like, I need to hang out with you more. <laughs> we, we have so little of that these days. We run. Matter of fact, in the American church, we just quit church. We just find another one. Matthew ten twenty eight. Don't Jesus, these are Jesus' words. Don't fear those who kill the body but can't kill the soul. Rather, fear him, him who is able to destroy both the body, soul, and, and the body in hell. Those are Jesus' words. Our culture thinks, oh, Jesus only loves. Well, Jesus does love us. He's also the judge. <laughs> he doesn't want anyone to go to hell. The Bible says that. He desires none should perish. But some of us, without realizing it, desire to perish. If your number were up today, would you be able to say, hey, I'm walking with Jesus. I'm good. I'm not perfect. I've got flaws, but I know it. And secondly, for the believer in the room, which is most of us, how many of us take correction? Receive it. 
don't react? What if we stopped acting like the world every time somebody brought a correction our way? The Bible says we know us by our, they will know us by our love for one another. I think that would look like love for one another the world. When it's like, hey, this person brought that person some direction and they didn't flip out. They said, let me think on that. Let me pray on that. Man, that's hard to hear, but let me think about that. But not only that, how we deliver it, right? We live in the age where we love to offer the correction. We don't love to take it, though. Look at it. The Bible's just saying, be that person. Be the person who's like, take it. Go ahead. And how do we be that person? Well, the fear of God, one, is, is a fear of offense. But the other side of it is awe and wonder. When I live in awe and wonder of God, nothing else really gets me down. Somebody once said, if you fear the Lord, you don't have to fear anything else. Because everything else is okay. Look, look at Jesus. Who cares about anything else? I remember times coming out of church, speaking of my dad, I'm bragging on my dad a little today. Speaking of, there was a time... I remember an awesome service on a Sunday. We'd put on the radio, and I'd put on like a non-Christian station. My dad's just be like, you know what? Not yet. Let's just let's just wait. Just reverence. Just the moment of like, hold on. Let's not run out of this thing. I'm in awe and I'm in wonder of my King. I fear Him. I love Him. He's everything to me. Nothing else compares. Nothing else compares to my Jesus. Nobody beats him. Amen. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 10. Yeah.